Welcome to the 10 Minute Medic, the podcast for busy paramedic students. This podcast takes one medical subject and explores it for a maximum of 10 minutes. Here's your host, Dr. Bill Young. This module, we will take a look at orthopedic trauma and impact on patients and what you need to know as a paramedic. Infants are highly flexible human beings, primarily because the makeup of the skeleton is mostly cartilage. This, along with underdeveloped neuromuscular control, is why they're unable to support themselves until they get older. During the aging process, the bones of children remain flexible until they reach their late teens and early 20s when they begin to solidify. In middle age, the body begins to lose the ability to rebuild and replace certain key chemicals, and this can often cause a gradual loss in the strength as well as the flexibility of the skeletal system. As patients age, their chances of bone fractures increase because of the loss of these chemicals. In addition, the cartilage of the joints of the ribcage become much less flexible, which can lead to a loss of tidal volume. The discs between the vertebrae become dehydrated, and an increase in the potential for disc herniation increases, as well as a shortening and stiffening of the trunk, making it more difficult for the elderly to remain mobile. As far as geriatric considerations, progressive decrease in bone mass and collagen structure uh, results in bones becoming less flexible and more brittle and easily fractured. Adults also lose more muscle strength, which negatively impacts their ability to maintain their balance leading to falls. Lumbar spine and femoral fractures can occur with stress and without significant trauma. Osteoporosis is an accelerated bone tissue degeneration disease that leads to bone structure degeneration and destruction. This increases the bone fracture risk. It typically affects women more than men and accelerates after menopause. It's not uncommon to see elderly patients with kyphosis due to the softening of the vertebral column. The arms and legs are particularly susceptible to a condition known as compartment syndrome. The muscles of these extremities are enclosed in a tissue known as a fascia that is not very elastic. This is much like what we expect to see with pericardial sac around the heart in the fact that it just doesn't have much give. When the muscles in the arms and the legs are injured, they begin to bleed and swell. Because of the inability of the fascia to expand, pressure within these areas begin to increase, leading to a decrease in blood flow to the muscle tissue as well as to the nervous tissue that resides within that area. This leads to a release of histamine, which causes the capillaries to become very permeable. These leaking capillaries only make the situation worse by increasing the amount of fluid and thusly the amount of pressure in that part of the extremity. Eventually, blood flow to the extremity is reduced or even stopped completely. A patient suffering from compartment syndrome has the most common complaint of a deep and burning pain that does not seem to line up with the severity of the injury. The patient's not able to relieve the pain regardless of the position in which she places the extremity. Stretching of the extremity leads to an increase in the internal pressure and a serious intensification of the pain. One way that you can test for this is by having your patient, particularly if it is a fracture of the lower extremity or uh, potentially a compartment syndrome of the lower extremity is to uh, point her toes downward to see if that increases or intensifies the pain. 
Because the capillaries can be compressed much easier than can the arteries, you may still be able to detect a distal pulse in this affected extremity. Subluxation comes about when the bone end is displaced from within the joint. The ligaments do not have to be torn as we see in a sprain, but only stretched out of place. Subluxation is more serious than a sprain in that the integrity of the joint has been reduced. This, redu this is a very painful injury that results in major swelling. A dislocation is a serious type of subluxation. In a dislocation, the bone ends are completely removed from their abnormal position and articulation or movement is negatively impacted. Most of the time, the joint is frozen and you can see a clear deformity. This can be a severe injury in that the dislocation can tear or compress both blood vessels as well as nerve tissue that resides within that area. Because the joint is moved beyond its normal range of motion with a lot of force, it's almost always accompanied by severe damage to the ligaments. A fracture is defined as a disruption in bone continuity. Now, fractures may be direct or indirect. Displaced bone ends may affect vascular system with increased capillary refill, diminished pulse, decreased temperature, as well as discoloration, paresthesia, anesthesia, paresis or weakness within that extremity, as well as paralysis. Associated muscle or tendon damage may hamper the patient's ability to be able to move the extremity. A closed fracture is defined as no penetration of the skin from the bone fracture. The skin around the injury remains to be intact. An open fracture has sharp bone ends that displace through the skin or penetrating injury object. It has a high risk of infection as depending upon the bone fractured, there could be a considerable amount of blood loss as well. Hairline fractures are small cracks that don't disrupt the total structure. The bone remains intact and the patient may even be able to ambulate on it. Stress fractures are often um, these types of, of hairline fractures, and we typically see them, we'll talk about this in a minute, but we typically see those in the lower extremities as well. An impacted fracture happens when bone impacts on itself, causing a fracture. This is often seen in impact injuries, such as when a person lands on their feet or outstretched arms after falling from a moderately high or higher distance. A transverse fracture is a complete break in a bone that runs straight across at a 90-degree angle. This type of fracture is almost always caused by a high-energy impact. If you suspect this type of fracture, make sure you're being very aggressive in assessing your patient for other types of both internal and external injuries. An oblique fracture is one that runs at an angle across the bone. These are commonly seen in femur fractures. These are quite painful and can result in additional trauma to the muscles around the bone as their sharp ends become internal spears. And especially in the situation of a femur fracture, muscle spasms can cause these bone ends to move and create additional damage as well as potentially some severe bleeding if the femoral artery is lacerated. A combinator fracture occurs when bone ends splinter into several smaller fractures. The most common mechanism of injury for a combinator fracture is a crushing type of injury. 
A spiral fracture is a twist comes about as a result of a twisting motion that results in a curved break around a shaft. The two types of situations where you will see these particular types of fractures include child abuse, where a child's arm is just uh, grabbed and twisted uh, beyond its normal range of motion, or if a person is working particularly in some type of farming industry and gets an arm or potentially even a leg drawn into an auger and it gets twisted. Fatigue fractures, we talked about this just a little bit earlier. Fatigue fractures come about as a result of prolonged or repeated stress on bones that um, may be weak. Uh, and as a result of this, you have a small fracture. Many times there's some type of associated bone disease in people who sustain fatigue fractures. Now, there are some complications that come about as a result of fractures that you may not be aware of, one of which is a uh, fatty embolism. This is not very frequent, but it can be very serious, and it's usually associated with severe crush injuries, post-injury manipulation of larger bones, of, particularly of, uh, of the femur. The fat is in a semi-liquid form and may travel throughout the body, and as a result of that, may become an emboli that goes into the heart, the brain, or the lungs.